Welcome to the More Than a Pastor Show with Rich Avery. If you're tired of feeling stuck, broke, or unfulfilled in your life and ministry, you're in the right place. This show is about helping you reimagine your calling so you can enjoy the life, impact, and income you were made for. And now your host, marathon runner, In-N-Out burger lover, and a guy who's more than a pastor, Rich Avery. Welcome to More Than a Pastor. I am Rich Avery. Stick around and I'll show you how to turn your ministry know-how into sustainable income for your family through a business or side hustle that you'll love. So you can serve God and provide for your family no matter what. Hey, thanks so much for joining me today. If you're new to the show, you can learn more about me, get the show notes for today's episode, download some free resources to help you thrive in these uncertain times over at morethanapastor.com slash 13, and that's for episode 13. Well, over the last couple of weeks, we've begun a new series on why I think co-vocational pastors are the future of the church in America. And today we'll explore what I think is one of the biggest reasons why, Donald Trump and evangelical politics. But before I dive in, I'd like to make it clear that I'm, I'm not looking to get into any kind of political arguments or debates. What I want to do is share my observations about the cultural and political divides that exist and are deepening in America and within the church, and how I believe these divides will give rise to major shifts in the future of the church in America, shifts that many don't see coming. Shifts that I think will disrupt the traditional institutional church in America and lead to a co-vocational future for pastors in the church. Did you know that a recent survey showed that a large percentage of millennials believe the church is no longer relevant to their lives? And the church is actually not I say not a positive force in American society. It's really not hard to see why that is, is it? Because one of the biggest reasons, I think, is that the way Christians speak and act with regard to political candidates and social issues. And if we're honest, I think we have to admit that Christians can look and sound pretty ugly when we talk about politics, especially when we do it online. I mean, have you ever known anyone in your church or among your friends in, in real life or in social media that have just seemed to keep putting their foot in their mouth or keep spouting off things and you say, how could a believer in Jesus Christ say those things or act that way? Or have you been there yourself at times? Man, I know I have. I've got my hand raised high. And it, it saddens me, to be honest. To think about some of the online political debates I've allowed myself to get into in the past, I just wanted to try to make a point or share a truth, but then I ended up feeling like somehow I had to stand up for God on a particular political or social issue, or I had to defend, so to speak, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and of course, I had to win this argument, but in reality, I became more like that resounding gong or clanging cymbal that the Apostle Paul warned the Corinthians about. 
I didn't sound very loving to the people I was debating. I ended up embarrassing myself, losing trust with others, fracturing some relationships, and I'm sure grieving the heart of Christ. Now, I agree, and you probably do too, that Christians need to be engaged politically and in the culture and in our communities. But I think the problem comes when pastors, leaders, and regular Christians embrace an illusion that somehow we can change the world for Christ by grasping for political power. You know, I remember hearing these things back when I was growing up in the 80s, okay, 70s and 80s. If we just had more Christians and people from our party in power, controlling the institutions in our society, if only we had the right person elected as president, if only we had the right people appointed as Supreme Court justices, then our nation will turn toward Christ. Just remember hearing that over and over again from people like, you know, from the moral majority or like uh, Jerry Falwell or Dr. D. James Kennedy or Phyllis Schlafly or or um, uh, Dr. James Dobson, people like that. And I don't mean to disparage or speak ill of them at all, but I'm just saying that those are the kinds of people that when I, as I was growing up, I heard them talk about we have to, we have to take America back. We have to be engaged in this culture war to fight for the soul of America. And we've been engaged in that for 50 years or more, and things really haven't changed. Another point I'd like to make is that I think in this cultural season right now in America, too many Christians have placed their allegiance in politics before the kingdom. You've probably known people in your church who end up filtering your sermons based on their political framework. And if your sermon doesn't line up with their political beliefs, well, they're going to be quick to let you know and even pass judgment on you. I mean, if you preach on the biblical concept of justice, in some churches, you're labeled one of those social justice types. If you explain how the Bible describes ethnic diversity as a beautiful reflection of the kingdom of God, well, you're branded as a politically correct pastor. If you express concern for refugees on our southern border, or you dare to point out that 85% of those refugees are actually our fellow Christian brothers and sisters, well, you obviously don't care about our laws and our nation's border security. If you imply that there might be other vitally important issues that should inform our voting decisions besides a candidate's position on abortion, well, you've definitely gone completely liberal. And if you required or encouraged people in your church to wear masks uh, during the COVID season out of respect for those who are most vulnerable to COVID-19, Man, if you've done that, you've sold out your Christian witness to the government, and you're living in fear, brother, not faith. I could go on and on. And I imagine you're probably adding to my list in your mind things that people have said to you or ways that you've taken flack or dealt with these issues here in your ministry. And I think chances are good you've probably received a few angry emails in the last year or two, or maybe you've had families or groups of families even leave your church. And they say, it's not personal, Pastor, but it's hard not to take it that way, isn't it? My point is that as long as Christians interpret the Bible 
and their faith through their political beliefs, these issues are not going away anytime soon. Another point I'd like to make is that Christians are putting their party before character in electing Donald Trump. In the late 1990s, many evangelical leaders publicly declared that President Bill Clinton's affair with Monica Lewinsky and how he lied about it had disgraced the presidency, stained the nation, and rendered him morally unfit to be president. And then two decades later, when Hillary Clinton, a lifelong Methodist, ran for president, many evangelical Christians said they could never vote for her because of her husband's moral failures. And yet many of these same people, or same kinds of people, endorsed and supported Donald Trump, a man who exhibited few Christian values, had been married three times, has been accused by dozens of women of sexual misconduct or even assault, and is well known for making disparaging comments toward women. And when these evangelical Trump supporters were called out for their seeming double standard, they explained that they were supporting Trump because we're electing a president, not a pastor. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying that there aren't valid reasons for voting for Donald Trump. And I'm not saying that he he was uh, a particularly bad president in terms of some policies or things like that. There were some things I really agreed with that he was that he was doing, some ways that he helped improve our economy. So with any president, you can find positives and things to to um, the points you want to make about them. So I'm not saying that there aren't valid reasons to vote for Donald Trump or to support him, and I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm just pointing out the hypocrisy that our younger generations see when they see Christians choose to make character and morality the most important thing when it suits us, and then choose not to care about character and morality when it doesn't. The next point I'd like to make is that there were hundreds of prophets who falsely predicted Donald Trump would win and usher in a new era. During the 2020 presidential campaign, there were hundreds of charismatic Pentecostal prophets and other pastors who made bold proclamations that Donald Trump would win re-election. And they heard it directly from God, that Trump's second term would usher in some new age of Christian influence in America and the world. There was just only one problem with that. President Trump did not win the election on Tuesday, November 3rd, 2020. And I know there are all those conspiracy theories promoted by Christian, some Christians and leaders, and I don't want to get into those right now about how the election was stolen or whatever. Let's just set that aside for a minute. Let's just talk about the issue of these prophets. So when President Trump did not win the election, the prophets quickly pivoted and said, okay, President Trump will surely win the Electoral College. But when Congress counted the votes on January 6, 2021, and President Biden was declared the winner, those prophets then pivoted and said, well, something's going to happen to make Trump president before or on Inauguration Day on January 20." 2021. So what should we make of all these prophets who got it so wrong about some golden age of Trump? I'd really like to let you make your own conclusions. But for me, 
I recall the words of former Nixon hatchet man, Chuck Colson. He said, the kingdom of God will not arrive on Air Force One. Now, I firmly believe the church does have a prophetic role in our society, but maybe it's to speak against tribalism and political divisions. Maybe the church is supposed to remind us that our allegiance is not to a temporal nation, but to an everlasting kingdom. Maybe the church is supposed to call us to believe more what the creator of the universe says than what our president says. Maybe the church is called to invite us to truly live out Christ's love in our community and the world. So I've made several points of of why I think our current political debate, uh, the way Christians are engaging in politics right now, I think all of those things in many ways are pointing to smaller churches uh, people leaving churches now. I know maybe some are going to churches uh, that are that that ascribe to their political views, but I think so many are exiting churches and feeling like they're not coming back because of the ugliness that they've seen in politics. So I'm just presenting that. That's my thought. That's my observation. You may disagree with me, but if I'm right. If the political climate today is, is, if the way Christians have engaged in politics is pushing millennials and younger away from the church, then I ask, what will that mean for you and your church in the next few years? I think our culture is going to be increasingly disillusioned with the church, not necessarily with Jesus, but more with his followers. Maybe you've seen this. I feel that there's a growing suspicion of pastors in our in churches in our society, and not just about politics, but even other issues too, which we're going to talk about in future episodes in this series. I think the political and social divides are going to deepen within, excuse me, within the church, and we're going to see more people leave their church either because it's become too political or not political enough. Maybe it's become too conservative or it's become too liberal. People are going to put their politics before their faith and make decisions on where they go to church based on that, I'm afraid. I think millennials and younger generations who've grown up watching all the bickering and division among Christians, man, they're rejecting that kind of Christianity really quickly and walking away from churches that have supported it. And then, of course, the stress on pastors from the division and the personal attacks inside and outside the church, or the financial struggles from declining attendance and giving, I think all those things will lead many pastors to retire early or resign, move on to something different. And again, I'd like to say it again, and I can't say it enough. I do not believe this is the end of the church in America, because I believe God is not surprised by these divisions or disruptions But what if God desires to use these things to renew the church, maybe to de-institutionalize the church? Or what if God wants to use these disruptions to de-professionalize the church? That's one one of the reasons why I believe co-vocational pastors are the future of the church. I'm really glad you joined me for this series. We're going to continue to talk about um, some of these social and cultural issues and how they're going to impact the church. In our next episode, 
We're going to talk about toxic church culture, Beth Moore, Church 2, and the co-vocational future of the church. I really hope if that's of interest to you, that you'll join me for that. But before I go, I'd like to offer a free resource that I'm, I'm sharing right now during this series, and it's called How to Know if Starting Your Own Business is Right for You. In it, I share the top 12 signs that you might be ready to start your own business. You can download your free copy today at morethanapastor.com slash biz. That's morethanapastor.com slash B-I-Z. Well, that's it for this episode of the More Than a Pastor show. If, you'd enjoy, if, you, if you've enjoyed it, would you do me a favor and subscribe and give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you are listening to the show. It's a great way to support us, and it only takes a few seconds. And as always, you can find my contact information, the show notes, useful resources over at my website, morethanapastor.com slash 13 for episode 13. And until next time, remember that you are more than a pastor. Saying yes to God's call doesn't mean you have to say yes to feeling stuck broke or unfulfilled in your life and ministry. Let's work together to create the life, impact, and income that you were made for.